everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. Hey everyone, welcome back to Critical Care Scenarios. This is another Turbo. And today what I'd like to talk to you about is the trajectory, the curvature, the arc of critical illness over time, and specifically the uh, contrary, the matching arc of critical care. So this is a little bit of a graphical concept. Um, It would be nice if I could doodle it on a cocktail napkin for you, but it's not a super complicated graph, so just open your mindscape and let me paint you a word picture. Most critical illness comes on pretty quickly. Minutes, hours, days. Now, I'm not saying there may not be a, uh, a longer, more subacute or chronic arc of a, a longer-term condition um, that the acute event sits within the context of. Certainly, especially in medical critical care, many of the problems we see are part of a much longer story. There are chronic problems that are seeing exacerbations or decompensations. Sure. But the acute episodes are usually pretty acute. And in some cases, you know, hyper acute, something like trauma or a, a sudden stroke or something. So if you were to graph this out with uh, time on the x-axis and the severity or acuity of the disease on the y-axis, you would see a, a sudden rapid upstroke as the patient gets very sick very quickly. And then assuming that the patient survives, you would then see a downstroke, a recovery, which stretches out over time as well. And that will probably be longer than the initial upstroke. In other words, it takes longer to get better than it takes to get sick. And this is an important thing for novices to understand. In fact, this is something I explained to the majority of patients or their families when they come to the ICU, because the whole concept of being critically ill is is pretty new to most people. Um, It doesn't really fit into the sorts of sickness most people have experience with. So just kind of how it works can be new to them. And I will often explain to them that, listen, I know it feels like this is all very sudden, which of course it is, and that this is sort of a, a sprint, but actually this is all going to take longer than you think, no matter how it goes. If it goes well, if it doesn't go well, um, the whole process here of getting sick, stabilizing, and then getting better, we're not talking about hours or a day here. This is going to drag out. So you should kind of expect that and, and tuck in and see it as, as more of a marathon. That way they're not surprised when like a week and a half later – they're like still in the ICU or at least still in the hospital and a lot of things are still going on and they're going, you know, why, why are they not getting better or whatever? Um, that's expected. Okay, so fix that idea in your head. Now let's draw another arc. And this is the arc of our interventions. So it's the time is still on the x-axis and now on the y-axis we have the intensity or aggressiveness in some cases invasiveness of medical care. So this also spikes pretty early because it matches the curve of illness. 
patient gets very sick in many cases, if we don't escalate medical care um, to match it, the patient will not survive or will have a poor outcome. So we spike that up very early, and that may mean um, giving them medications, um, doing uh, interventions on them physically, invasive therapies, surgery, um, putting devices in them, putting them on ventilators, and so on. Then this curve should also taper off. All right, so now you have two matching curves, illness and intervention. Now, the question that I offer to you is, what should that second curve look like on the tail end? Well, let's say, how should it look like in general? And the correct answer is that it should match the curve of illness very closely. In other words, as sick as the patient is at any given time, the amount of medicine we're doing to them should be enough and no more. And that should make sense because at any given time, if we're not doing enough for them, then we're under supporting them and they're probably not going to do as well. And if we're doing too much, if we're doing more, quote, medicine, if we have a, a, a bucket of medicine or a a dial that could measure amount of medicine, um, then that's also bad because we know that most of the things we do for people and more so the more aggressive they are, are bad for them. And I tell patient families this too, you know, medicine's bad for people, hospitals are bad for people, ICUs are especially bad for people. The only reason we do any of these things is because some people need them. In other words, not having them is, is worse. But if you get to a point where you don't need something, then the, the default state is that you, sh you shouldn't have it. The default state is not to keep doing something because, again, the ultimate goal is to get rid of all of this stuff and get people back to normal. All this stuff we're doing, dragging it out for even an extra day or something, often has some risk associated. It has iatrogenic effects. It can cause complications. So we want those two curves to match. And what that generally means for the kind of typical arc of most illnesses is that we should escalate care very quickly. And then as it peaks, ideally what we'd like to see is that it turns around very briskly and is de-escalated. So if you imagine that curve making a little peak, I'd like to see it, all things being ideal, have a very sharp point, like a knife at the top. It turns around really quickly. If this is like a race and the end of the race, the finish line is getting the patient back to normal, any time spent turning around here is wasted time. Imagine you're running a race and you have to run or drive or swim around a, a turnaround, like a post or, I don't know, do a flip turn in, in the swimming pool or something. Anytime you spend actually changing direction is not helping you. It's, just, it's a necessary thing, but you're not actually moving towards your goal. Your goal is to make progress, which initially is resuscitation, and then later is de-escalation, de-resuscitation, getting the patient back to normal. So the turnaround is no help to you, and it should be as quick as possible, and graphically that would mean a very, very pointy curve. And then the second part of that curve should be as steep as possible. Now, the caveat here, of course, is that 
none of these things can happen any faster than the patient actually is getting better. You have to match the curvature of illness. So I'm describing the, the shape that I would like to see, the shape that would uh, describe a patient who is doing well. Some patients will not do so well. So some patients inevitably get sick and then their curve of recovery is, is blunted. So instead of having a quick turnaround, they kind of languish at the top. Maybe they're not at the sickest, they get a, a touch better and more stable, but then they don't really recover much more, not very quickly. They kind of are stuck on the ventilator, they have a sort of persistent shock, their kidneys don't really get better, they're still sort of encephalopathic or whatever. Some people have described this as, as persistent or chronic critical illness. Um, it's clearly a phenomenon we see, and it's not great. What's the reason for it? You know, a lot of factors go into it, patient factors and so on. Uh, but it is certainly true that in some cases, a patient will kind of get stuck here at a, a plateau. Either that looks sort of flat, or it does look like recovery, but it's very slow. The, the slope coming down is just very, very gradual. So if that is the case, then yes, the curve of your interventions has to match that. And it will be similarly blunted and round on top and or very kind of steadily coming down rather than briskly. You can't rush it, right? It's like if you were uh, titrating vasopressors, I would like to see that you turn it up as they get sick and then they get better and then you turn it down quickly and then a day later they're off them. But if they're still hypotensive, turning it down faster is not going to make them get better faster. It just means you'll be under supporting them at that time. You could have a goal of weaning off the vasopressors, but it's, it's just a support for the patient who has to get better on their own. So many of the things we do are just supportive while the patient heals. So if the patient needs it, they need it. However, and this is the takeaway point here, there are also times where if you fail to de-escalate measures with enough speed, in other words, the patient is getting better and you are still over-supporting them. You have not withdrawn things briskly enough to match their course of recovery. So they don't need all of the fluid they have on them, but they still have it. You have not sucked it out of them yet through diuresis or whatever. Um, you, you lag behind, and therefore they keep an extra five liters on them for another day or two. That would be over-support. Your curve of... Therapy has uh, outpaced the curve of recovery and you failed to titrate down as you should have. That is the error you can avoid here. You should de-escalate as aggressively and as, uh, with as much zeal and passion as you escalated. So just as it would be an error to under support someone when they're getting very sick. They're, they're in shock. You're not giving them pressors or fluid. They're in respiratory failure. You're not intubating them fast enough, whatever. We, we kind of understand that that would be bad. It's just as bad to give them too much later on when they're getting better. So you should have the, that platonic ideal in your head that this curve of care 
escalates quickly, turns around quickly, and then de-escalates quickly. Of course, understanding that it depends on the patient. So you can't rush the patient's recovery, but you can delay it. If you fail to de-escalate them quickly enough, you will slow the recovery and you will promote complications and delays that actually makes the curve of the recovery slow down. So I hope that subtlety makes sense. You can't make them get better faster, but you can make them get better slower. You can delay it by not working hard enough on that second part of the curve. So when I'm teaching learners, I always have the the model for them that if they're following a patient on any given day, they're either escalating something or they're de-escalating it. There should not be a lot of times when they're kind of doing nothing for any particular problem or, or therapy or whatever. And, and yes, of course, as I said, there will be times when that actually is the right thing. You just have to kind of wait something out. But your goal coming into it, your mental model, is that they're either getting sicker and I'm doing more for them, or they're getting better and I'm doing less and taking stuff away and thinking about what medication can I, can I taper or remove? What device can I suck out of them? Can I get them out of the ICU, get them moving, diurese them, whatever? Um, if they have that model, I think it's helpful also for learners who are not always sure what to kind of do to add to a patient's care. They uh, understand how to collect data and um, follow what's going on, but not always how to, to act upon it, to kind of be a force for change, which is, of course, uh, what we're here for. We're not here to be data collecting devices, but that can help them. You say, listen, look at this problem. Is it getting worse? If so... What can we do that's, that's more? How can we help? What can we add? Is it, is it getting better? All right, what can we get rid of here? Because the goal is not for things to cruise steadily along with this patient in the current state forever in the ICU on the ventilator or whatever. The goal is for them to get better, which means all this stuff we're doing, I'd like to get rid of. Is this the day? Food for thought. Hopefully that makes some sense. Talk to you guys next time. <laughs>